And what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. This is the MRNA podcast. That stands for Music Review Nerd Acumen. I'm back this week with the Staple Gun. What's going on, man? What's up? Not much. We're excited to do this one. At least I am. Are you excited? I'm excited. So, I'll be honest. I had forgotten this album was coming out so soon. I thought it was later for whatever reason. So the fact that we're here now able to do this is exciting that it's it's here. Like, there wasn't a much, you know, that anticipation you get waiting for something, and then it's just months and months away. Like, that didn't happen here. It was so quick. So, like, to me, that's exciting. Yeah, I agree. It was a, it was a quick drop, especially considering they had an album come out pretty recently. Yeah, back in January, correct? Yeah. So speaking of they, we're talking about Van Weezer, which is the album by Weezer. So for those that don't know, it just came out last week, Friday, correct? Correct. So it's available on streaming services like Spotify. You can still buy physical copies of CDs. I don't know many people that do, to be honest, but that is a, that's a still thing. It's available on vinyl as well, um, which is something that I do want to ask up front. Did you know and did you review the two bonus songs on vinyl? I did not, unless one of them was the piano cover. I'm not certain off the top of my head because I did not. I reviewed the 10 tracks released on streaming platforms and available on YouTube for free. So I want to preface that up front for any listeners looking for those additional tracks and to avoid being called out for that afterwards saying, why didn't we do this? Well, this is why. So disclaimer, we didn't review the two bonus tracks available on vinyl because we did not get our hands on a vinyl copy. Uh, shout out to chat who's with us real quick before we begin. We got Trevor, we got MX, Redbeard, uh, Jose, Locke, and then again, Redbeard there. So they said they just grabbed the new Dropkick CD and vinyl. Nice. Very cool. Maybe that'll be a future review. Who knows? Maybe. But let's kick things off. I know you have quite a bit of information to share with us tonight, so I'll kick it over to you. Yeah, so just given a brief discography, which is kind of hard to do because they put out 15 albums now. Um, going back to 1994, they had their Blue album come out. Uh, that had Undone, the sweater song, Buddy Holly, Say It Ain't So, My Name Is Jonas, along with several others. I say those are... Look. As the kids would say, the college bangers, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, two years later, they put out Pinkerton. Uh, and the hits from that were El Scorcho, The Good Life, and Pink Triangle. Mm-hmm. And not a commercial success initially, but is now considered one of the best albums of all time on several lists. Is it really? It is. That's surprising. Not to say that that album's bad. We're not here to review it, but I'm just surprised, to be honest. Yeah. And then uh, then five years later, 2001, they came out with a green album. And that had Hashpipe, Island of the Sun, and Photograph. Those were the hits from that album. And not to be confused with Photograph by Nickelback. Definitely not. Much that's... better. Much better. <laughs> that song is hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me let me say something real quick on the Green Album. I, I wanted to talk about, too, while we're doing this, our history with the band. 
Um, for me, that was the entry point, right? I, I'd yep. heard of Weezer, but I hadn't really had a lot of, uh, I guess, listening experience with them for whatever reason. I knew those songs off that very first album, the Blue Album, but yep. it wasn't <laughs> something I frequented. Um, it was uh, it was the Green Album with Hashpipe and then Island in the Sun. Some would say their big mainstream breakout after years of absence or recovery, if you will, from you know some of the failed albums. I don't want to say failed because that sounds bad, but less than commercial success albums. No, I'm the same way. For me, it was Green Album 2, um, Hashpipe, when that came on the radio. That's when I started kind of getting into them. And then, you know, Island in the Sun was in a couple of movies. And, you know, they had a lot of commercial success with that album and kind of put them back on track after Pinkerton. Yeah. Uh, real quick with chat, Redbeard says there are a few bands whose physical, physical discs I pick up. Dropkick is one of them. Uh, Batman says, hey. Lana says, hey. Thunder says, hey. Uh, Redbeer says that's shocking. My entry to Weezer was Green Album. I'm just being honest. Um, so we'll paint the picture. 2001, um, and thanks for the hosts, everyone, by the way. 2001, I was 16. So I have a job. I have my own money. We have a Believe in Music at the mall adjacent to our high school. I am consuming so much music at this time, and I'm literally just impulse buying music. Me, impulse buy something I know, go figure, right? But, like, I am consuming as much music as I can. I'm, I'm deeply into it. I had started playing drums. I had started playing guitar around this time. Oh. Weezer. Don't know if you can hear that. We have the secret alert. All the good ones are gone. You just earned 10K in strands. Congratulations, you found the secret alert. Now I've spoiled it for everyone else that's here. Um, so, yeah, exclusive redemption. But, yeah, so I'm 16... Before then, if you were to go back... Okay, come on. Ty, thanks for the host. If you were to go back to that early stuff, you know, I was just too young. It's I had people buying music for me. Or I had whatever they were listening to. We got another one here. Why can't I host on desktop LMAO? Why can't you host on desktop? They're going to... They're going to get this song stuck in the head. That's the idea here, by the way. <laughs> okay, okay, come on. And DK, thank you for the host. That, that is effective. effective. So, really, that's my excuse, right? Why my entry point was the Green Album. It was because of all those, all those reasons. I just didn't have what wasn't bought for me or what wasn't available. So, it was harder to get music when you're that young. Anyways, I agree. Continuing 14. on, though. <laughs> no, uh, same for me. I was 14 at the time, so, you know... At, at 12, I wasn't getting into the Blue Album. So, yeah, for me, that was uh, Green Album was my entry point. And now, you know, going back, you know, I wish I'd gotten into them sooner. But um, at the same time, it's still pretty early on. It's only their third album. All right. So, 2002 uh, was Maladroit. Um, that one had Dope Nose and Keep Fishing from it. Um, not as commercially successful, but also had some good hits in there. And 2005, uh, we've got Make Believe. That had Beverly Hills, We Are All on Drugs, Perfect Situation, This Is Such a Pity. Uh, those were the hits from that album. That was their most commercial successful, commercially successful album at the time. I mean, Beverly Hills, you couldn't hear, you couldn't stop hearing that on the oh, radio. God. And which is, it's not one of my favorite Weezer songs because it was so overplayed and, you know, Overall, their catalog is just so deep. 
Yes. So the, I want to mention that too. We're gonna. I'm gonna bring up this song during the review. By the way, you might already know. Yeah, I do. Okay. I'm sure, I will. So we'll we'll circle back to that. There's there's a reason I'm bringing it up now because it'll yeah. have an impact later. So yes, indeed, that song was on everything, and there are moments where you can love something, but then hate it because it's overplayed. I know that exists for so many people out there. You can't deny it. But once something is on loop and loop and loop and loop, it'll start to drive you crazy. It loses its value. And yeah. that song was one of them. And one of our upcoming reviews, I will uh, mention that about a certain song or two. Yes. About the next. <laughs> All right, go on. All right. So after that, we've got the Red Album. And that uh, had the greatest man that ever lived. Amazing uh, song, by the way. Oh, my God. Pork and Beans and Troublemaker. Um, fun fact about the Red, Red Album, I don't know if you know it or not, but they put the whole album together, presented it to the studio. They didn't like it, and they came back and wrote Pork and Beans, uh, basically just dissing the industry and saying, you know, we don't really care. We're going to do the things we want to do. And uh, and that was obviously a huge hit for them, and it worked. It worked out for them. So they got their hit off that album, and obviously yeah, you and I agree, Greatest Man That Ever Lived were, was an excellent track off that album. I remember when that came out, and you actually were the one that told me the story about Pork and Beans and enlightened me the backstory on the label. And you could probably tell the story better and, and add detail if I'm missing stuff, please. Um, but basically, like you said, the label just trashed it. It's not like, and you'll hear this oftentimes for so many artists, the label thinks they know best, but let the artists do their work. Let's, let's just let them do that. If it flops, it's on them. But um, so they, they, they basically wrote a song literally about pork and beans, claiming that they can make a hit, you know, out of that, that, you know, being their word use for their lyrics. They were right. Obviously, add more detail to that. There's, that's just a, a basis on it. But yeah, I mean, basically, they just make references to, you know, maybe I should have this person produce my song. And then they say a lot of things like tickled pink and mm -hmm. a lot of like references to make it you know, to bring the old with the young and the, you know, we really don't care. Here's what we think. And then the studio loved it. And that was their biggest hit off that album. Of course they loved it. It made them a lot of money. <laughs> so you see this too with so many bands, um, a lesser known band. Uh, there was a song by Smile Empty Soul called The Hit. And they had the same pressures, right? So Smile Empty Soul was big out the gate with uh, Bottom of a Bottle being their first big hit. I uh, sold a lot of copies of their album they were not commercially successful after that. Uh, they hit an album after album. I think it was a couple albums in, and the label they were on was pressuring them to write a hit, so they wrote a song called The Hit and basically describing the, that stuff. Uh, also, um, Korn, they were asked to produce more single radio-friendly content, and on their, I believe it was the greatest hits album around that time for their first one from the label, uh, Y'all Want a Single Say That? You've heard that, I'm sure. Um, so... Continued story here with labels putting pressure on these bands and they become successes off of mocking the labels. So yep. go on though, sorry. So after Red Album, they had Ratitude in 2009 and that one was not a big hit for them. That was pretty pretty much a flop for them. They had If You're Wondering If I Want You To, I Want You To. And most people probably don't know that song. I know it 
because I'm, I'm a fan of Weezer. They have I'm Your Daddy, Tripping Down the Freeway, The Prettiest Girl in the Whole Wide World. Um, but again, those are lesser known hits, you could say. And I'll be honest, too, it was after the Red Album where I wouldn't want to say I took a break, but I kind of fell out of interest with their sound again. Yeah. So like this stuff, I knew these albums came out. Yeah. I just wasn't playing them in my playlist at the time. Yeah. They've been all over the place, that's for sure. Um, so then a year later, 2010, they put out Hurley, uh, which actually has um, Jorge Garcia from Lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, his character's name was Hurley. Put him on the album cover. And uh, that had Memories, uh, which is another great hit of theirs that came out. And then uh, also... Wasn't that used in Jackass? Yes, it was. Okay. Yep. Even in the, in the music video, they've got some Jackass stuff. Uh, in the background as well um and then death to false metal was a compilation album they put out at the same time and but it wasn't considered a, a formal Daddy, album of theirs and 2014 so four years later they put out this one was kind of a really good step in the right direction for weezer a lot of people were glad that they put this Back. It's kind of a throwback to some of their earlier albums and Back to the Shack. Um, Cleopatra and Da Vinci were the, the hits off of that album. We've also got like a three song thing where it's a lot of guitar solos and build up, and it was just kind of a good to hear that old classic Weezer sound. Um, so that was uh, again 2014. Uh, 2016, two years later, they put out the White Album, and that one had Thank God for Girls. Good song. Do you want to get- and King of the World. Again, always kind of changing their sound a little bit. Um, Thank God for Girls was really different for them, but again, a really song I really enjoyed as well. It's honestly what got me back into them. It was around yeah. the time that we had went to see them live, too. Yeah. It was it was after this. It was probably a year or so after this. Um, but it was that song and then that style, the, the very poppy you know, not your traditional Weezer, very poppy, uh, falsetta-style vocal stylings, um, yep. n- new hooks to their stuff, new electronic stuff in their music. So yeah. th- that was that was a unique sound, and I, I was very much into it, and I was, I was happy to see that change. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so then 2017, they put out Pacific Daydream. Um, critically, it was received well. Um, didn't have a ton of hits off of it. Uh, Feels like summer Amazing. was the hit. That one, another one. Yeah, new sound for them. Very similar to Thank God for Girls of the year before, as far as them embracing the new poppy sound with modern music. Um, and then Happy Hour was the other hit from that album, but mainly Feels Like Summer. Yeah. Then, two years later, 2019, they put out the Teal album, which was a bunch of 80s covers. <laughs> I already hear it in your voice. I already hear it. The disappointing <laughs> voice. And, uh, <laughs> and Africa was their big cover hit from that album. I don't think I heard that one on the radio. No? No. <laughs> Look it up. So, <laughs> um no, a lot of people loved it, and and it was uh, kind of sad for a while. I was thinking, you know, a lot of people know Weezer as Africa. And Wasn't it a viral thing, though, is how that came to be? Yeah, they, they uh, a lot of people were wanting them to get to, to cover that song, and they ended up covering 
a different song. Uh, I can't think of who does Africa now, but their other big hit that was not Africa is what they did first, and then they finally put out Africa and then made a whole album of covers. Covers, yeah. So, um, Africa was really the only big cover hit from that album. And it was Toto, Chat wanted to insert that. Yeah, duh. It's okay. Uh, it's before, well, kind of before our time. Yeah, but still, I should have known. Uh, and then also in 2019, so later on, because obviously T album was just covers. It wasn't something they'd been working on for a long time. Uh, they put out the Black album. Uh, had California Snow, Can't Knock the Hustle, Zombie Bastards was the other hit from there. Um, kind of a disappointment from a lot of people. I kind of felt the same way. There weren't really a lot of hits from that album. Um, I don't know if you were, are you even familiar with the Black album at all? I've dabbled in it. It's one of those things that after, um, uh, what is it? Yeah, it was about this time. After Feels Like Summer, I fell out again. Yep. So for whatever reason. so I, I Well, I shouldn't say after that. It was Africa. I fell out again. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. All right. So then, 2021, uh, they put out OK Human. So that was just earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And um, that was definitely a totally different sound for Weezer. Um, much more like string quartet kind of classical sound to Weezer. It was just a modern take on stuff. Um, So that one had all my favorite songs, um, along with some other um, ones that they probably would have released as singles. Um, But now they've got a new album out. So then just a couple months later, they put out uh, Van Weezer, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Definitely. Take it over chat real quick. So funny related story to songs being overplayed. I haven't listened to the radio since I started driving. Uh, At that time, I was an engineer and news reporter for a radio station, and there are songs I still hate because of that gig. That is funny. You definitely relate songs as, like, time capsules of your life. Uh, When you haven't heard a song that maybe you liked at a certain period of your life, it'll instantly bring you back to those moments, uh, whether they are good or bad. And you instantly relate or think about certain situations or people even. And that's how powerful music is, and that's why it's so incredible. Um, Redbeard also says, and then System of Down also put out Steal This Album in response to the downloading controversy in the 2000s, which was a big thing, which could be a podcast episode in itself to to discuss. Uh, Weird Al was a part of the Africa uh, stuff. I believe he was in the video. Um, And then we're all caught up. So we like to do this segment. I know we haven't had really too many of these music reviews so far. I think, what, one? Um... So we want to create an ongoing segment and it's called predictions where we just basically, and we're scoring these albums out of 10, by the way, whole numbers only. Um, We're going to give maybe a blurb on what we think they're going to think. So me thinking what Justin is going to think of the album and vice versa. And then what score we think they're going to pick. We won't answer it until we review the album throughout the course of this episode. Uh, would you mind if I went first with my predictions? Go for it. All right. So based on knowing you, your interests of them as a longtime fan, probably of all the people I know, and I've met a lot of people that like music, and I've talked music throughout pretty much my life with so many people, but I would say you are probably top of the list as far as Weezer knowledge and fandom from the people I, I know personally. 
Um, so because they're a huge compliment, if, the, if, if you think it is. Um, and I was even so honored once, as mentioned, we got to go to a concert together up in Mount Pleasant. And that was an awesome show. I, I really enjoyed that. So, again, thank you for, you know, having me go with you to see that. And that was a real good time. And, man, do I miss live music. And I'm, I'm thinking about that show and I miss doing that stuff so much. Um, yeah. But based on that, I think overall, with what I know you like in music and guitar, with your influence from the Beach Boys to Van Halen to obviously being an inspiration of this album, I would say you would give this a solid 7 out of 10 if I was predicting what you would score this. So not amazing, but not bad is, is what I would say that you would say. Okay. Um, for you, I, I mean, I would guess something similar here. Um, cause obviously I know we have appreciation for classic rock and, you know, we went and saw Van Halen together and there's a lot of Van Halen-esque stuff in this album that we'll get to. Yes. So, um, so I don't know if there's going to be anything in there that blew you away or that, um, you know, not giving away too much about the album, but that's going to really make it be like really high tier for you. So I'm, I'm going to guess a seven for you as well. Okay. Well, let's talk about the background of the album real quick. I have a blurb that I found on the internet. So in February, 2019, Weezer frontman Rivers Cuomo began working on new songs with a hard rock influence in contrast to the pop rock and electropop sound that had been featured on the band's previous albums, such as Pacific Daydream and the Teal album. And then the then upcoming Black Album. Cuomo mentioned that an album tentatively titled Van Weezer, so they had already decided on the theme for the album, which is interesting uh, because of the recent passing of Eddie Van Halen. Uh, so this was in the works. And then it would take the band back to big guitars, is what he quotes there, as a quote from him. He remarked that when the band would perform at Beverly Hills in concert, he would perform a guitar solo that was not present on the recorded version of the song. He quotes, we noticed that recently the crowd just goes crazy when I do that. So it feels like maybe the audience is ready for some shredding again. On September 10th, 2019, the first single from this album, Van Weezer, the end of the game was released along with an announcement uh, that the album would be released on May 15th, 2020. So the interesting thing of that, that was supposed to be coinciding with, and I'm still mad about this. We talked about this in the last one coinciding with the revelation of the Hella Mega Tour in 2020. I have tickets for it, and it's probably going to get delayed again this year. Ah. Anyways. So, and if you don't know, Weezer is with Green Day and Fall Out Boy. All bands I heavily adore. So you understand my disappointment here. Because... Comerica Park, these three bands, it doesn't get much better. Like, it's very rare that you have this. On May 6, 2020, the second single, Hero, was released onto streaming services while Weezer announced uh, that the album release would be delayed due to the pandemic, stating that despite this, fans would receive surprises within the next week. A short snippet of Blue Dream debuted on the Simpsons episode, The Hateful Eight-Year-Olds. Did you watch that episode, by the way? Did you know that they appeared on there? Uh, I heard it leaked somewhere else, actually on an Instagram. So I did not hear about the Simpsons thing. Okay, I actually watched the episode. It was it's it's always jarring to have some celebrities on there, even though I know the Simpsons movie had Green Day performing. 
you know, the beginning, but it's cool sometimes, but sometimes it's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so on that episode, which guest started them themselves, obviously August 14, 2020, the band had announced that the album had been delayed to May 2021 in order to coincide with the rescheduled Hella Mega Tour. That same day, the third single, Beginning of the End, was released as part of the soundtrack for Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, unfortunately, October 6, 2020, after Eddie Van Halen died, the album, um, fortunately it was dedicated to him, but unfortunately because of his passing, uh, and then the track listing was revealed April 20th, 2021, and then the fourth single, I Need Some of That, was released the following day. And it's hard not to sing when I'm saying the song name there for that one, because I need some. No, okay, I'm not going to do that. That's not what this is about. Anyways, so 30 minutes, 53 seconds is what we're going to review here. Let's dive into our first track. I'm going to throw it back to you. I'm going to take a All drink right. real quick, too, while you're doing that. So I did actually find out a little bit more uh, about their release of Van Weezer. Um, so they were actually had OK Human, uh, which they released earlier this year, ready to go. And they were going to release Van Weezer first to coincide with the Hell Mega Tour. Um, so that way they could have their guitar shredding and, you know, that'll be great to perform at live shows. And then with the pandemic and everything happening, they um, decided to put out OK Human first because of their kind of a more somber album and people can relate to it during the pandemic. Um, so they actually ended up releasing that first because they already had it ready to go. And uh, based on some recent interviews as well, it sounds like they are, they're saying so far that next year they're going to be releasing one album at the beginning of each season. What? Yes. That's going to be interesting. So we'll see uh, the quality of it all. I was going to ask, what is consisted of an album these days? Is 10 track? Because we just talked about this in our first episode, the the shortness and what qualifies as a full album. That was our biggest critique of the last one. Yes. So what would qualify as albums, EPs, LPs? What are we talking about here? Or didn't they not clarify? They didn't clarify how many songs would be on each album, but... They'll be releasing one at the basically the first day of each season for next year. Because you recall here, and this is kind of, well, it's on topic, but we're, we're diverting from the review for a moment. Uh, you recall, you're familiar with My Chemical Romance, I'm sure. You've heard them once or twice. Um, so they did a thing where they released multiple albums, but they were, like, what, three tracks a piece, was it? Like three or four tracks, and then it built to, like, a full thing that you could get on vinyl. Yep. And then, uh, gosh, who else did that? Green Day did Uno Dos Tre, but that was full albums of content, too. But quality. Yeah, I'll leave it at content. <laughs> so, but that's, again, relating to this, that's the biggest concern here. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, starting off then uh, with Hero. So uh, they released this, like you said earlier on, in, in May of 2020. And uh, it's a tribute to essential workers. And they did a whole video with essential workers, which is pretty cool. And um, and then they had a whole letter at the end just thanking them for their service during the pandemic. So I thought that was very cool. Um, it's a very uh, interesting song. Uh, they do say a walk alone quite a few times, which reminded me of Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Uh, <laughs> Green. Talk about an overplayed so- song alone and uh 
So it is, I mean, it's classic Weezer pop rock, I'd say basically with, you know, great pre-chorus touching on insecurity and incredibly catchy chorus. Um, so it's got 80s like guitar riffs towards the end of the song, um, but otherwise it's a pretty standard Weezer format as far as, you know, a catchy song. Um, and they do have an alternate piano version of the song, which they released in July of 2020, uh, which is what I was mentioning earlier. And it's just a slowed down version of the song, a little more laid back without all the, the guitars. It's just more piano work. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, the song, I felt like it was, it's a great way to kick off the album. Um, so before I jump into mine, chat real quick. Yes, the chess that you guys, if you're on PC, uh, if you're in a browser, it's 200 for each one. And uh, MCR knows how to get folk amped and then disappointed, <laughs> they said. Um, gosh, what a time for them to come back and then have to cancel their stuff too. Like that's the timing was awful. Well, along that line, along those lines, like I, I had bought tickets in 2019 for 2020 Riot Fest in Chicago. And uh, then I was excited to find out that they, My Chemical Romance is going to be the big headliner because I've never seen them. Mm -hmm. And then they finally announced that they're pushing all their 2021 dates to 2022. So they are off for Riot Fest, and Riot Fest should be releasing their full lineup here in the next like week at most. But that was definitely disappointing to finally have tickets to see them get a, a bucket list band <sighs> off. So. It's such a bummer. Um, <laughs> Redbeard says, let's not forget the announcement a couple years back. Uh, there was a vague post about a thing. People expected a reunion turned out to be an anniversary of Black Parade. Uh, I mean, no, they're back, though. Like, they're back. It wasn't just a one-off show. They are back. They're working on new material. So, so rejoice. <laughs> this is a good thing. Um, Hero, 3 minutes, 57 seconds. So, for me, I said it was a good opening track with a build to the traditional Weezer sound. Uh, very, again, back to stadium rock here. Uh, stuff that you want to rock along with them. You're, you're going to be getting into this music. You can't not get into you know, the, the, the guitar work and, and drums they're presenting in this one. So for me, I was a bit confused, but I'm glad you added detail lyrically because I didn't know what this was exactly a tribute to or what it was talking about. It makes complete sense now that you say that, and I feel stupid for admitting this, but hey, that's why we review these things because we interpret lyrics differently or we comprehend things in different ways. That's what makes music so exciting. Um, so for me, I was like, is it about being a hero or not being one, being labeled as one, but being alone? Like, I was kind of confused. But again, you clarified that, so thank you. Uh, so my notes are going to have a big cross through them now. Uh, the one thing I did point out, though, and I don't know if it was my headphones, and I have okay headphones. I have Beats, right? They're okay. Uh, they do pump up bass a little bit more than, you know, other headphones. But I thought the bridge had a weird mix. Like the bridge of the song, it's just mixed weird. It just it just doesn't have a good balance. And I don't know again if it was just how it was listening or how I don't know. I'll have to listen to it back more. I only listened to this album probably three or four times. Um But this one, that was one that stood out to me, the bridge of the song. And then and what I mean by that is to listen for the guitar solo itself in the mix. It seems in the background when a guitar solo should be in the, the foreground. It should be, you know, the, the voice of the track at that point with just stuff in the background, especially for what it's inspired by. Let the guitar sing and be front and center. You know, that's what a solo is. 
but I digress on that one. I thought it was a good overall opening track. It was, you know, fine. It's, it's, it didn't blow me away, but it was a good song. Yeah. No, I think uh, getting some clarification on the lyrics should help clear that up. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, listen but, to it back. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, I, I'm not necessarily a hero. I don't consider myself a hero, or I've tried being the hero, and I, I couldn't do it. And, you know, these essential workers are out there doing it every day. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was, it was a, a great tribute. Uh, definitely. Like I said, knowing that now, I feel like a clown. <laughs> but here we are. Uh, so our second track is All the Good Ones, coming in at 2 minutes and 44 seconds. To me, this felt stylized like work from their last 15 years or so, like from that time period. It seems like what they steered away from, they've come back to with this song, kind of. Very catchy, definitely worthy of a single. Um, but very Beverly Hills, very, very Beverly Hills. Somebody hit us with yes. a redemption. If you can, that I believe is the, uh, um, secret redeem. If you want to redeem that, you'll get 10 K in strands in return. So, uh, that it, it captures the essence though, of a sing along track. You want to sing along with this and you will sing along with this, especially if you drive. There it is. There it is. So we're getting hit with them now. A few of them in a row here. So thank you for that. Thank you for the redeems. Um, this will get stuck in your head. And intentionally, and here they come in. Intentionally, I made that as an alert this Weezer. week. Because I want you to go check out this song. But you're also going to be... Oh, God, they're spamming us now. <laughs> so... It's going to get stuck in your head. You're going to listen to the song. You're going to appreciate it. But you're also, listen closely. It's very Beverly Hills. Um, lyrically, juvenile. Go! But easy to learn and follow along to. And before you begin yours, I'm going to let this goal alert play out, which is 24 seconds long. So thank you for that, MX. I love our trolls from our community here. It's still going. Oh, there it is. It's done now. All right, you what are your thoughts on track two? Um, yeah, so I noticed it's um, very Weezer. basic. Um, it's very, uh, you know, Weezer-esque, I guess, as far as following their normal, like, structure. Um, I did notice kind of like a stomp, stomp, clap, kind of like We Will Rock You type of feel in it. Um, so yes. kind of a little eight back there. Um, and then, yeah, I, I definitely have the uh, Beverly Hills note here. Basically... Yeah, if, if they uh, didn't write Beverly Hills, they would have been sued for this song because it is a... Oh, it's a rip-off. <laughs> so close just to Beverly Hills. So, yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, so it's a good chorus. You know, all the good ones are gone. Where did you come from? Um, so basically just saying, you know, yeah, lyrically it's not deep. Basically, you know, no. if you finally found a good one among the bad ones. Um I thought it was very repetitive at the end of the song. Too many repeats of the chorus. Um, and it's only 2.44. Yes, but it was just, I mean, so many repeats of the chorus. I, I really should have counted and put it in here because it was a little maddening at the end of the song. So, <laughs> yeah, overall, good, catchy song. Not one of my top ones. I liked it. <laughs> it stands out to me. <laughs> Funny. All right, so uh, kick us off then 
I'll have you continue with the third one here. Yeah, so the third one is the end of the game, and this was their first one that they actually released back in 2019, um, leading into the album. So this one, definitely Van Halen-like guitar opening, um, and uh, including the kind of the yelling hair metal-sounding guitar leading into everything. Um, they make a reference in the lyrics to I'm on an island with no sun, uh, which is a reference to the green album, Island in the Sun. Yep. So this, again, uh, was supposed to be leading into the Hell of Mega Tour with uh, Fall Out Boy and Green Day. And kind of feels, so I don't know if you were picking up on that at all, but it's something that I noticed. Uh, and I did like the, you know, the ooh, ooh, and the hit me. Um, so I thought it was really, really catchy. Um, I thought it was just kind of definitely the one of the bigger tributes to Van Halen on the album. Um, and overall, I, I really like this one. Yeah, I mean, clocking in at three minutes, one second, just kicking off, my first word for this one is guitar. You know, yes. those hammer-ons and pull-offs, you know, that which, if you're unfamiliar, and it's the technique with your fingers on the fretboards. It's a thing you do. Anyways... So, yes, if you've never heard, like, I'm sorry, like, if you've never heard Van Halen, you've been lizing, living, rather, in a closet, you might be lizarding, too, but if you've never heard Van Halen, you've been living in a closet, but if you have heard, God, wow, what is in this beer? Is it alcohol? Good Lord. Good thing we're doing a podcast where only our, you know, what we say matters. Let us continue. If you had never heard Van Halen, where are you? But if you have, you will know immediately when listening to this track, it was inspired by Van Halen. The sound that they have with the guitar is very reminiscent of Eddie's work on that guitar. And he is one of the greatest of all time on guitar, and I will fight you if you disagree. That's a promise. Easily, easily a song that you can get into a lot of harmonics, a lot of fast solo work, and then it just segues right into a Weezer song. So it's almost yeah. like two different songs here, which was weird. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah, it does. It has a sing-along chorus. You're going to get into this one as well. And again, very worthy of being a single, especially promoting this theme of this album. And I have it here. If you don't get into this song, I don't think you know music. Great solo work on this, a lot of triplet work, and the only thing where the song doesn't shine for me was kind of the lyrics in it. Like, I, I got the nods, but, like, it's almost like pandering, if you will, like cheap pops in a hometown of somebody trying to get them excited for you, right? You guys remember that one single we did, right? Let's give a nod to it. So kind of pandering, but kind of appreciative, too, because there are instances where I like that if you've been a long-term fan. You're like, yes, I became a fan for the Green Album. I appreciate you for that. So it's just a mixed bag of feelings on this one. Overall, I really enjoyed this track. Uh, track four, our next one here, I Need Some of That. Again, I want to sing along with this as I say it. Coming in at 319, more 80s rock-inspired work but back into the traditional Weezer song again. So we're getting a lot of like, hey, we want to do this thematic album, 
But we're going to go back into our stuff again. We don't want to fully experiment here. Uh, the claims to be more heavy continues to kind of be a gimmick for this album as they're not really fully committing to a change of sound. And it showcases here on this one another catchy chorus. Uh, it'll have you again singing along. And lyrically for this song specifically, it seems reflective. So the theme is somewhat reflective on things and going back to Hero, reflecting on, on situations that are happening, uh, things that are going on. And this one again continues that theme of reflectiveness is what I'm gathering from it. The guitar solo mimics the vocal lines for the melody. Um, but overall, I said nothing really to write home about, but it fits in this track uh, regarding the guitar solo. And it ends with an interesting conversation in the studio about copyright. Did you hear that at all? Did you pick up on that? Maybe you'll have more info for us. But that was my thoughts. All right. I don't have more info on that. I was uh, was going to check into it, and then I just totally forgot. So it was just such a small little blurb at the end. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was referenced to something. Um, <clears throat> so I need some of that for that. Um, for me, I don't I don't know if you picked up on this. It doesn't sound like it. I'm sure you would have mentioned it. But um, the very the intro to the song, the drums, sounded like Dear Maker from Led Zeppelin. Uh... Similar. Um, so I, I really like that because it, it, you know, it was kind of a Led Zeppelin-type throwback. Um, so I like the kind of the 80s synth. Uh, build up into the chorus um, in this song and uh, yeah it was just the kind of what you were saying as far as uh, reflective it's you, you know it's kind of like th these were the good old days for us um, or you know as far as being a kid or you know kind of growing up in the 80s um, so I thought it was a good homage to 80s and for some reason I don't know why I just kept bringing back to this reference but it kind of reminded me of the cars like just what I needed um, you know, I need some of that, just what I needed. Um, so very similar as far as the play on words there, but, um, yeah, I agree. Um, it's good. It's, it's one of the catchier choruses on that. Like you said, when you say it, you want to sing it because yes. at, I mean, it's, it's Weezer though. I mean, they know how to make a good catchy chorus and this is definitely proof of that. But overall, the song isn't overly complex or fully, you know, like you said, committing to that. 80s sound but i don't think they're necessarily trying to be an 80s band they're just taking those, some of those influences yeah <clears throat> all right so which takes us to i'll have you continue our fifth song all right so the fifth one we've got is the the beginning of the end uh like, like you mentioned earlier as well this one was released in bill and ted face the music and basically, uh, it's kind of like a build-up to a rock show. Um, and it kind of reminds me of, like, the Blue Album a little bit. Um, some of the guitars reminded me of, like, Boston, uh, like, long time, kind of a, eclipsing, like, a slow rise back into the chorus. And then uh, moments kind of reminded me of Van Halen's Panama. And some of the guitar work kind of reminded me of My Chemical Romance. So I don't just uh, throughout the song. So, again, a lot of... Uh, Feel like they're embracing a lot of sounds you know and kind of doing their own thing as far as uh you know getting a catchy chorus and making it into their own weezer sound so and i kind of like the lyrics relating to them kind of being aging rock stars um kind of seemed appropriate it's kind of the beginning of the end this is they're going out on stage about to perform so i think it was a really good like anthem song 
Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so for me, well, the song's three minutes, 15 seconds, which, as you can see, there's consistent uh, length in their tracks here. Um, it almost cookie cutter. So, like, that could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. Uh, we'll get more to that in the overall review. For me, personally, I listen to most of my music when I'm driving. I haven't listened to as much music during the pandemic because I'm not driving. So, but with that being said, I hate songs that start with sirens. Because I get into a panic. What did I do or what is happening around me? I know that's very prevalent in some genres of music. But I don't care for it. I get its place and its purpose, but not when which, I'm driving. Which to interrupt you really quickly is, uh, you know, I'm not sure I, the Bill and Ted version actually doesn't have that, but they put it in on the album. So there are some differences there, which I thought was kind of odd that they redid the song with that kind of intro. Yeah. Why would you remix it and add that? How does that serve any purpose? No. And uh, chat asks if I'm hiding something. I'm not. <laughs> if you if you know me very well, I'm not one to hide anything, thoughts, opinions, or really anything. It's gotten me into trouble many times. Um, so no, I'm not hiding anything. <laughs> um, but back to the song, beginning to the end. This reminded me of early Weezer with the blue album styling with the opening. You know, outside of the sirens. Very big build into the bridge with definite Van Halen guitar tones. There was flange effects on the solo work. Very, very inspired of a Van Halen here. Uh, and again, it's another one you would know his tone immediately. And for me, it, lyrically, it made me think of the troubles, you know, of growing old and moving on from things. Uh, it, it's hard to commit to something or some, you know, thing we do for so long to grow old and you know, try something different or do something different or move on from something. You know, it's when it becomes a part of you, you're so attached to it. Um, so relatable in that regard, you know, we're not young anymore. Some of us, you know, you're slightly younger than me, so I'm envious of that. But we're at this point where we have families, you know, you and I am speaking, I'm not speaking for, for anyone else here, but you become more reflective of certain things because you're reminded of certain things again with your own family and kids. And it brings back that, you know, nostalgia and it makes you reflective and feel older than maybe you even are. So it's tracks like these, I find more meaningful now than I've ever had in my life. So it's just interesting. Again, I, as I describe what music can do to you to create and convey such emotions. And it's just so, it's so powerful. So i just just glad to have that. Um, our next track, though, track six, Blue Dream, coming in at two minutes and 50 seconds. And I, I had to stop for a second when this one came on. I had to stop. I was like, yeah. hold on. I know you guys said you're influencing this new heavier guitar riff. And you were inspired by Van Halen and other sounds of uh, that era. But to go right into Crazy Train... Yeah. What the heck? It wasn't even like an inspired riff. It was the riff from what? Randy Rhodes. Man, I was like, okay, I was not ready for that. 
Because for me, I, I absolutely love that song. Uh, Randy Rhodes is another one of the greatest guitar legends of all time. And man, way too young. He passed away at the age of 25. That is incredibly unfortunate. Uh, for those that don't know, it was a plane accident. It was incredibly tragic. But uh, for that stuff that he was doing and Crazy Train, everybody knows Crazy Train. It's been used in movies. It's been used so many times. And just to hear it from them. And you know they're good at guitar. You know he can play. Like He's been playing for how long? You know he can play. But it was just kind of took me off guard to hear that coming from Weezer. Yeah. So awesome intro. You know, great on them for using it. Um, fun story. I, I played at a band many years ago. I, I, again, passion for music. Um, one of the songs that we'd perform live actually started off with, uh, it was a cover of Brain Stew, which if you're unfamiliar, that's a Green Day track. And the chord progression is very similar um, on that, as far as the, uh, the, the moving notes, then I'm not going to sing it, but if you look it up, it's very similar placement and chord progression between brainstorm and then the moving notes of crazy train before it goes into the fast part. Uh, cause you're actually just going through the notes instead of the chords themselves. Um, so for us, we would start with brainstorm, play up to the chorus, and then we'd go into crazy train as the bridge just the guitar parts, and then bring it back down to close out Brain Stew. So it was just a fun cover. It probably wasn't good, but in my head it sounded good. Uh, but it was fun on guitar to play. Uh, anyways, over the so overall the song is pretty straightforward, minus the use of the riff. The track is you know very uh, generic. Uh, the solo work uh, from the guitar is what really shines in this song, though. Too short. And lyrically, the song, like, maybe I'm missing something again, but lyrically the song didn't do anything for me. Okay. Yeah, no, I feel the same. I was very uh, thrown off, like you said at the start. I'm just thinking, wow, this is literally the same. It's exactly the same. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but Ozzy did receive writing credits for this song. Okay, um, well, that's good. They got the blessing to use it then. They're not just ripping them off. Right, no. They did not just rip them off and say, <laughs> oh, well, that it sounds exactly the same, uh, because it is. Um, so yeah, I noticed that they didn't do the I, 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 they just did a guitar sound to replace right yeah. at the beginning. Um, and as you're saying, Crazy Train has been used in so many things. And most recently that I can think of is Trolls World Tour, because my kids watch that all the dang time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it's, it's everywhere. So it was kind of weird. I, I think if you're going to pick another 80s song to totally copy and add your own lyrics over, there were several other options that you could kind of bring back without totally stealing this song that's been overused lately. It's still a great song, but overused. It is, um, and it's it's been covered before. We've heard it a million times. Right. Um, so lyrically straightforward, it's basically, um, it's about rejection, being lost you know, in this blue sea, swimming with the fishes and finding kind of comfort and his like new reality of being rejected so yeah lyrically it wasn't super deep um they do make a, a reference um not sure if you caught on to this as well but they do make a reference to um it says the octopus says hi and that's a reference to the beatles i um, did octopus. pick up on that yeah yep so again it was just it was just kind of a mediocre song for me um i didn't I, I was really thrown off, and then it was hard for me to focus on the lyrics as I'm hearing Crazy Train in the background, 
knowing what I should be hearing. And yeah. then lyrics, it doesn't offer me much. So. Yeah, I definitely did get the 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 Beatles nod in there, which I much appreciate. I, I'm uh, pretty pretty. Uh, I don't want to say big Beatles fan, but I do enjoy um, a good collection of their content, uh, primarily in the middle to later years. I, I wasn't really big on the early sound of the Beatles. It was mostly when they experimented, uh, not with music but with drugs, to me when they got better. But <laughs> to each their own. Um, but yeah, yeah, this it was overall not bad, but still very jarring to hear. You know, straight up, not stolen, but somebody else's guitar riff, like straight up. Yeah. Uh, so I'll have you continue with our next one then. All right. So up next, we've got one more hit. Uh, so this one, basically, the uh, introduction kind of reminds me of a Metallica song. Um, sad but true. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the. That reminded me of Metallica, also kind of Slayer sounding. Um, so it was a really catchy song, and I think overall, like one of the best crafted songs on the album. Um, it's just, it's got really, really catchy hook to it. It's got really good music to it. Um, and then they, one of the lines they use uh, is, "You're the bee, give me the stinger," um, and. At the end of that line, there's a small three-second flight of the bumblebee that's done on the guitar, um, oh. which is pretty interesting considering, you know, you're the bee, give me the stinger. Um, so this one is uh, basically about rivers um, and going to concerts and doing drugs and getting addicted and having sex with whoever, male or female. Um, and so I was, it it was interesting to find out that information and the lyrics, you know, are definitely, you know, somebody who's addicted, just having fun, just wants one more hit. Um, kind of reminds me of, you know, the hash pipe kind of days where they're talking about, you know, hash pipe and some of their drug references where we are all on drugs. Um, this one is just kind of another one like that, but just incredibly catchy overall. But yeah, this one is one of my, one of my favorites from the album. It's so funny to hear this stuff, too, because, like, when you speak of Weezer, when people generally talk in Weezer, you don't you don't hear drug reference. You don't hear, you know, that kind of content, or at least you don't feel that coming from them. I mean, they've done stuff with the Muppets, for God's sake. Yeah. They, they seem like a family-friendly act. There is foul language and drug content in their lyrics. Like, yeah. it does exist. Like, some of the content is not family-friendly. So, so, you know, if you really listen to it and dive deep into it, but it, the general approach of them or, or the perception of them is they're family friendly. So it's always neat to hear these kind of, you know, stories or backgrounds on, on tracks because it's not as pure as we think. Right, because they're not overly profane. So there's not a lot of profanity, like a lot of swearing that you hear in songs. I mean, I, I, draw, you know, I was playing some for my daughter one night when she was trying to sleep and, you know, I heard like one swear word in like three songs and i'm like yeah so you don't, you don't really well i think they say shit in one of the singles yeah. so yeah that's what i'm what i'm thinking of so that's it i mean yeah you don't think of them as a as a vulgar band but if you actually look into their lyrics they're very several of them are are very adult references yeah so so fascinating to to break down stuff from something that seems so innocent and pure but not as not everything is as it seems. 
Um, so yes, one more hit coming in at 305. Uh, I agreed, heavy drums for the intro. Uh, I felt it built into a muddy verse. And by muddy, I mean, that's a specific styling or tone. You mentioned Metallica. I actually, for mine, mentioned Megadeth. So from that period, very similar, obviously, even a former member of Metallica fronts Megadeth. So fun fact there for those that don't know. Um, so definitely the inspiration there on that. There we go. Another redeem. You guys are going to have that stuck in your head, I promise you. Uh, it goes into traditional Weezer chorus. The bridge work with the guitar and drums is nice nod to 80s metal. Uh, it does exit back into their own sound here. And I said for lyrically, a lot of metaphors. Um, and I said it speaks on, does it speak on actual drugs or songwriting or? That is effective. You know, what is the thing? And you clarified that already with your feedback. So I was picking up on the tones, but with the use of metaphors for a lot of it, obviously with one more hit, one more hit single, one more hit from the hash pipe, you know, like it's there. It's just not in your face there, like you said. Right. It's not literally saying we are all on drugs. No, but they probably are. <laughs> um, so for the next track here, track eight, Sheila Can Do It, coming in at 257. For me, it was a very 90s feel. Influence of old rock sounds on this as well. Reminded me of Hints of the Who. Um, and specifically, if you really listen closely, the vocal styling uh, reminded me of Pinball Wizard, uh, specifically in the verses. So listen to the verses in this one. Just his cadence is very The Who Pinball Wizard. At least that's what I got from it. Um, classic Weezer chorus in this one. Overall, the song, though, didn't do much for me besides those little nods to The Who, which I absolutely love as well. And again, lyrically, just kind of, unless I'm just missing everything you're picking up on, it's just going right over my head. Uh, lyrically, it's just generic for me. Okay. Yeah, so um, so I do have quite a bit of background on this one. Um, so Sheila can do it. Basically, when I first heard the song, I was thinking the same thing. Like, it just, it has definitely that 90s feel to it. Um, sounds like kind of early, like, Pinkerton Weezer. And... Sure enough, it's for good reason. <laughs> um, so, um, several years ago, Weezer put out uh, what's called the Pinkerton Diaries. Um, so Rivers Cuomo put out um, what he was kind of going through during Pinkerton, um, how they came up with song ideas, where they were traveling, how they were meeting fans. Um, so I actually have that. Um, so the Pinkerton Diaries. So it's got, there were 3,000 copies made, so I've got one of those. Um, and sure enough, um, there's a reference right here. So I'm going to put it there as close as I can. But it's called Rachel. And it says, if Rachel can do it, I can do it. I don't see the problem with that. And it goes right into uh, basically if Sheila can do it. Um, so it's word for word the same thing that's in this book. Um, there are literally um, maybe... You know, she said the was the same sweet loving gal, and he says same pistachio in the song, which is kind of, you know, different. Um, but yeah, it was initially written uh, about a, a girl named Rachel. Um, it refers to actually a Rachel Hayden, um, who was part of a Weezer side project um, called The Rentals. And um, she was going to play a larger role 
and the songs from the Black Hole album, uh, which was around the Pinkerton days, that was never released. Um, again, it's word for word the same. Um, definitely feels like it was written in Pinkerton days, and it's because it was. It was written in 1997. Um, and, I mean, if you know anything about Rivers Cuomo, he's got hundreds of unreleased tracks um, that are out there that he hasn't put anything out that haven't been put out there. So that's his way of uh, basically putting that into reality. And that's the reason why it has that um, that feel to it. So basically after um, Pinkerton wasn't a commercial success, he was feeling pretty down about everything. They went on a brief hi hiatus and he, uh, be he worked on this side project called Homie and performed this song with Homie. Um, and that was back in the 90s and then eventually got back with Weezer, put out the Green Album and Pinkerton became a massive hit after, um, you know, after the initial bad reception that it got. So, yeah. So um, historically, I found this one was was super interesting. Um, I, I overall like the 90s feel because I like that early Weezer sound. Um I was trying to put my finger on, you know, like what you're saying about Pinball Wizard. It, it seems similar to something, but I, I couldn't put my finger on it. But um, overall, I like the, the upbeat um, bit of this song. And I appreciate it because I, you know, Pinkerton is my favorite album of theirs. And to see this put into reality was, was pretty cool. So not one of my top songs from the album, but um, but it's up there. I really, really enjoy the, the sound of it. See, and, and that's why I'm so happy that you, you know, obviously selected this album and artist, uh, just knowing your background and, and your fandom of them. Uh, there's so much information that I, I don't know about this band, and I, I feel like a bad fan. Um, I'm a more than casual fan of them. In fact, I enjoy a good, you know, portion of their catalog of music, but I don't have the knowledge and, and really... Uh, you know, background that you have with them. So, I mean, thank you for sharing that. That's super cool. You said one of 3,000? Yes. So that's a collector's item. I'm, I'm surprised you're touching it. <laughs> <laughs> so. I know. I looked through it briefly, and then I was like, let me look it up on eBay just to see what it goes for. Because, um, I mean, I don't think I paid a ton for it. I did it when they re-released Pinkerton and released some bonus tracks with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw a pre-order thing for it, and I said, oh, that sounds pretty cool and yeah now it's at least so far a couple few hundred bucks few hundred dollars uh, wow yeah, I paid 50 to 75 initially when i when i did the pre-order which isn't but bad for like a book like that it's i mean it and it's a pretty big book and it's got it's hardcover too right got tons of like actual music oh like, that's cool it's got um drawings it's got you know, early pictures. So, I mean, it's, it's really cool. That's definitely a collector's item, especially for that time period. That's yeah. super cool. Maybe, um, you can send us a picture and we'll throw that up on our Instagram. If you want to check out some, you know, higher resolution stuff. Uh, if you're not familiar with their Instagram search for dose of nerd acumen, we post all kinds of nerdy things. There a lot of video game screenshots, you know, pictures of our studio spaces, uh, just nerdy things in general. There's even a talk boy on there because I do have a working. Well, I don't know if it's working, but I have a talk boy. So if you don't know what that is, Home Alone uh, 2, Lost in New York. 
So anyway, uh, continuing on, uh, you were bringing us into track nine then. Yeah. Um, it does remind me. Um, so I did look up their, uh, video game references. Oh, yes. Um, so now that you mentioned video games, so, um, so they actually started off on a PS2 game uh, called Amplitude, and they had Dope Nose on that song. And if you're not familiar with it, a lot of people didn't play it, um, but they had a lot of big bands that were on it. It was kind of the, the thing before Rock Band, where basically you kind of drove a ship around and tried to hit different beats and different elements of the song that would make the full song. Um, so they had Dope Nose um, from Maladroit on there, and then they had... Uh, too many rock band songs for me to put on here um starting with say it ain't so and they were in gran turismo 5 um even the guitar hero and rock band games and sing star they were on sing star uh with buddy holly and uh sean white skateboarding need for speed uh and then most recently uh fifa 18 um they had feels like summer on there and they were they had a song also on Fortnite. so i do want to bring that up because this relates to our album review too um with them in video games the the biggest experience besides some of those games that i have played from the list you just uh, provided there i mentioned a little bit ago the technicality and skill of his guitar work great right yeah if you played Guitar Hero or Rock Band and we got a 100-bit donation, hip, hip, hooray, thank you for that, Cody, um, and for the one earlier as well. Um, if you've ever played Guitar Hero or Rock Band, they are generally the first songs you play in those games because they're the easier ones. So, like, we talk about his skilled work, but they're often not reflected in their singles. So you look at them as just generic guitars. And like a lot of people who pick up guitar for the first time, you're going to play Nirvana, you're going to play Green Day, you're going to play Weezer. Because the technicality is just kind of traditional, right? It's a lot of, um, I guess, 4-4 four, four structure. It's basic understanding of music and rhythm. So it's a lot of quarter notes, eighth notes, whole notes, half notes, a lot of just basic chord structuring too. They're a band that doesn't get enough credit. And what I mean by that, this album really exemplifies the actual technical skill they have. And they, in the beginning of this review, we talked about what people enjoy hearing when he riffs live. Beverly Hills doing that, which inspired, you know, he's like, okay, let's get heavier. Because people love when I just mess around on guitar because he's good. So anyways, that's that's my off <laughs> the focus but I, I felt that was an important ad here um but let us continue all right so up next um so one of the last two songs here we've got she needs me um this one it had a slow acoustic kind of intro into a really fast-paced chorus um so driving beat kind of reminds and i i'm hoping you picked up on this because if you didn't you're, you're going to kick yourself now and, and totally hear it. Um, but the beat reminds me of Green Day's Hitching a Ride. Um, so if you did pick up on that, I don't know how you didn't. Um, but yes, yeah, so totally reminds me of Hitching a Ride. 
Um, lyrically, it's one of the most simple songs on the album, but emotionally, I think this is Rivers at his best. Um, he shows the most range during this song. The lyrics are simple, but also powerful. You know, she needs me, and that's why I need her. Um, so it's a nice little fast-paced love song. Um, the guitar solo in there actually kind of reminds me of uh, The Darkness. Uh, I believe in a thing called love. That's what and, it was. Uh, <laughs> yep. So um, other than that, um, I love the breakdowns and the build-up to the finish with the guitar solos um, and the descending riff just at the very end. So um, for me, this was my favorite song on the album. I know because uh, you know, I've been online looking at what people are saying about certain tracks um, just because of, you know, I want to see how people feel and people were loving the album up until this point. So you might have a totally different opinion and because it's not really kind of like everything else up to that point where they're going hard into the 80s guitar, you know, heavy work. But I, this one I, I was most enjoyable for me. So I finished my review, like my written review of it this morning. I, I'd listened to it over the last few days a few times and then one more time this morning just to kind of get that last, you know, little impression. Because uh, sometimes you don't pick up on things that I've clearly missed uh, when you listen to it just one time or you're distracted or something's happening. Uh, so I gave that last little focus this morning and uh, I didn't read a lot of reviews. In fact, I didn't read any reviews, to be honest. I glanced over the scores that was available on Wikipedia. And uh, so I saw opinions there, but I hadn't, I didn't want it to sway my opinion. I don't read it until after, and I, I just didn't have time this afternoon to uh, go and read. I'm going to go read them. Uh, but for this yeah. one, uh, it was definitely 90s rock alternative here. And now I get the Green Day influence. I didn't pick up on the, the, the flavor of that, I probably should have, and I'm, I'm going to slap myself for that when I listen to it again, now with that feedback. Uh, start slow, kicks into it with the chorus build. It's a sing-along chorus here, again, with a good guitar solo. Uh, those are the notable features of the song. Uh, lyrically, I don't know why this didn't resonate with me. Um, and, and I, I kind of continue that narrative. Like, lyrically is, is to me, the, the biggest faults of the album so far. Uh, but it was a fine song coming at 252. It was just, it, it existed here on this album. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It just, it's it's here. So, sure. so does the track yeah. need me? I don't know. I, I didn't look at anything to weigh how I felt about it. I was just surprised that, like, leading into that song that people were, were disappointed with it. But, I mean, again, yeah, it's not for everyone. It's, it's kind of a, a slower, I mean, it, it builds up, but it's not... Uh, it's not like the rest of the album, I would say, as far as the sound. Yeah. Which leads us to our final track, track 10 here, Precious Metal Girl, coming in at 250. So much like in other, the other album we reviewed by The Offspring, if you haven't listened to that, check us out on podcast platforms if you're listening to this back. It is available a couple episodes back. We reviewed Let the Bad Times Roll by The Offspring. Check that one out. Much like that, this ends with a well that one ended with like an outro but this is an actual acoustic track a nice acoustic ending for the album that presents almost the same energy throughout of it it slows the album down to the finish line here so very fitting a uh, very decent acoustic track but i don't know if i could label it as sing-alongy kind of you know it, it's no uh time of your life by green day oh all the good ones are gone again. Yes. 
you guys will be singing it. But it's no uh, good riddance when we are roasting marshmallows on a burning drum set while Billy Joe plays acoustic guitar and sings Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. It's, it's not that moment for this track. Um, but it, it was fine. It was a fine ending, and it concludes the, the ten tracks from the album for me. It didn't, it didn't wow me. All right. Yeah, no, I, again, for, for me, um, you know, it's basically a, a love song. Um, it's definitely slowed down, slowest one on the album. Um, and I will say, um, he says, you're my, you're my precious metal girl. And it reminded me of Pinkerton, um, where you are an 18 year old girl who comes from a small city in Japan. Um, and so basically when I, when I hear that line, it, makes me think of that line just the phrasing is so similar um there i felt like this one like i said it was a good close to the album um but i felt like they were really hitting you over the head with 80s references like to the point where it's like okay we, we get it <laughs> you know reference to neon lights and uh um la guns um so you know wearing leather jackets and uh it's just there are i mean literally 20 references to 80s things in this song aquanet hairspray yeah. uh renting bow room uh there's faster pussycats was an 80s rock band and they referenced that in there they referenced the la guns um which la guns joined forces with hollywood roses and formed the guns and roses um, so for those of you that don't know that, um, so there's just, I felt like it was like, for me, when, uh, when we talked about, uh, what was the song now? Try to think here. Um, I need some of that, how it was kind of reflective, um, of, of everything from before. And I felt like it was, instead of being reflective, just too much with the eighties content. Um, so Overall, it's a good song, but not one that's going to stick out as something that's going to be super memorable. Yeah, and I mean, maybe like an exit on the album is why it was necessary. It's like a table of contents. Like, here's the things that we were inspired by that didn't make the cut, but would just dump it all in this track as our, our credits sequence, if you will. Um, yeah. Because here's the thing. We talked about our intro to Weezer, our early days. We were 14, 16-ish, respectively. Um, you got to look back at how old these individuals are and when they got their start, right? It was the early 90s. So that means they were inspired by everything they just listed in this song and then some, right? So I think it was kind of their way of maybe paying that last respect or tribute to what the theme was on this album. And for me, again, I didn't personally appreciate it because it's just... While I admire that a lot of those artists, that I was a product of a different generation. And I was born in the 80s, but that doesn't mean I understood all the references. Only retrospectively do I, you know, looking, right. looking back through, through learning. But I didn't live, per se, these, these worlds or these things. So mm -hmm. it just doesn't resonate the same in that regard. Yeah, it seemed like a... Like an a, a love song where they tried to say like, "Hey, if we wrote this love song, 
25, 30 years ago, this is how it would have sounded, which was weird um, for me. Like, I, I get that you're doing tribute to these 80s bands and, you know, want to reflect on it as the good days. That's totally fine. But for this, it was just like, if you're going to go with the love song, they, they've got some really good slower love songs um, that are lyrically great and are slowed down like this one. I just felt like it was trying too hard with the platinum blonde and neon lights and aquanet and just so many things. So overall, I I can't say that I would like skip the song, but it's not something that I would really get into. Yeah, it's worth a listen, but it's not like we've said in the last one. It's not getting added to a playlist of mine. So, there were two bonus tracks we're not reviewing, but I just want to mention the names. I've thrown it all away, and I need some of that. The uh, RO, I don't know what that is. It's only 50 seconds long. So, if you can find it out there, obviously give us a lesson. We won't do it now because we could copyright strike. But uh, um, it's not being reviewed. But there are bonus tracks that exist on the final. Final thoughts. Are we prepared to give our final thoughts? I'm prepared. Do you want to go first? I was going to say, I can go first. Let's let's recap. What did we predict each other's scores being? Did we each say seven? Uh, yes. I predicted you a seven initially based on your review. I'm going to go with a... I'm thinking that's a six. Oh, we're changing it. Okay. Well, um, no. Seven was... <laughs> no, no, I know. Based on the album, I'm thinking I was wrong. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. You're changing your prediction. Yeah. Okay. I'm sticking with mine for you by the way, Um, because it was based on predicting, not knowing. (laughs) Oh, I know. I'm just saying, and, you know, in hindsight, it's not looking like seven's going to be good for you. (laughs) Well, let's let's listen and find out if you're correct. So my final thoughts here, the idea was presented that this was supposed to be a tribute to metal, heavier riffs, and Van Halen. While those sounds do appear on this album, it comes across as tacked on and a gimmick to the style or sound of the album. For them to fully change their sound for an album is dangerous. Uh, And I feel that with many albums they've released, including one already this year, now is not the time maybe to fully experiment. Or it very well could be because they just released an album earlier this year. But they failed to fully commit to that idea. Uh, they are a band that I feel that probably doesn't have much to lose with risks at this point, so why didn't they? The album is short in length, which can be a good and bad thing. Uh, it is understood, as again, they already released an album a few months back. We clarified that being in January of this year, 2021, uh, so less than five months ago. Uh, however, my biggest concern, and we you address that, knowing it now, in retrospect, uh, why was this released? So is it to capitalize and get a tribute on Van Halen out there so soon? But again, you kind of clarified all that stuff. I just kind of had mixed feelings on that before without knowing that additional information. Doing your homework clearly helps, kids. Uh, Outside of the nods to the Metal Legends, musically, the album is fine. It has recognizable tones from Weezer's signature sounds and even has the sing-along choruses that we may be singing with for years to come on some of the tracks. The weakest part of the album was my misunderstanding of the lyrical content as it didn't resonate or connect with me fully 
or were just too basic or bland to really hit any uh, deep thoughts for me, or provoke any, any of that emotion. Overall, this album is worth listening to, but I'm not certain if it was one that will be added fully to a playlist for later play. A few tracks did stand out, mostly the singles, but to me, this isn't even close to being one of their best albums. I give it a 5 out of 10. All right. Yeah. Um, so that was well said for you. <laughs> <laughs> for me, what's that? <laughs> no, for me, like uh, Weezer, just going back, I mean, they've put out so many albums. And I think for me, I've just gotten so used to being disappointed with the majority of some of their albums. Like they've put out some great albums um and for me when they put out okay human at the beginning of this year uh, i wasn't a big fan of it at first it was just a totally different sound for them but lyrically it's one of their best albums um it was just for me it was just such a big shock to the system as far as what i was expecting out of a new weezer album um so they felt like they kind of got back on track with everything will be all right in the end in 2014 and then they kind of modernize their sound like we talked about with feels like summer and uh thank god for girls and i thought that was kind of the direction they were going in then black album flopped so for me for this i thought it served well for um for what they were trying to do i don't think they were trying to be you know van halen they were definitely paying their tribute and i and i like the references that they put in several of their songs to that um, for me, the only negatives were like the, the closing track and just some of the repetition in some of the songs. Um, so the closing track with the, just hitting me over the head over and over again with 80s references, um, that felt a little cheesy to me. Um, but overall, I feel like a lot of these um, have what I'm looking for in a Weezer track and also in it with a classic rock feel, but not totally going to that classic rock sound and just kind of incorporating their Weezer sound into it. Um, so for me, I actually gave this an 8 out of 10. Mm, that was close. Yeah. And, and close trust me, I don't hate this album. Don't like, don't get my, my score per se twisted. Because general consensus, I liked a lot of things, but I didn't love a lot of things. Like it was, it was fine. And to me, 5 out of 10 is fine. It's not like blowing me away. It's not changing the landscape of Weezer. It's not going in that loop. You know, there are a few tracks that I really enjoyed, and those will get to my playlist. The rest will be, maybe I'll return to this another day, but maybe not, and I'm okay with that. So to me, that deserves a five. So that's, that's how I just justify my, my stance. Yeah, well, and that's the thing about <laughs> Weezer. It's just, it's... They, they've always been a polarizing band where it's like they, they'll put out an album that, you know, I really enjoy and people just go, oh, great. Like, what what is this? Or, you know, same with, you know, with any band, but Weezer especially, they've always got polarizing views. Um, and, you know, I feel like overall com jumping from the Black album, which was just very underwhelming and disappointing to me, um, I kind of had a low bar going in because even before that Teal album with the covers, I was just disappointed. <laughs> so I felt like the bar was already pretty low for me. And then with OK Human, 
not at all what I was expecting from then to go into this where it was just like all right this is like the green album the blue album and then you know she she or Sheila can do it you know reference literally to the Pinkerton album when they were when they were writing that song so for me it went back to that old sound of those first three or four albums uh which is what made that score go up for me in chat here is critiquing me. Uh, they're saying seven is fine, five is, isn't worth the time. Uh, 70% is a C, 50% is an E, which is failing. And, you know, with if you were to have to force me, I would say it's an incredibly high five. High five, high five. Um, <laughs> um, I'll give it a, you know what? I'll give it a six. Happy, I'll give it a six. A pity six? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a six. That's my final score. I'll give it a six. And I'm not hating. I'm not hating. It's it's fine. The album is fine. It's it's like I said. It's if I'm doing a comparison of their other works, there are far better albums by them. And if I were to grade or rank them, that would be on the lower spectrum, especially the bottom being the cover album. Um, but <laughs> this is in the middle as far as their work. It's not their best. It's not their worst. I would give it a six. Then you 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 pulled my arm, chat. See what they did. Six is or D is passing, so it's a six now. You happy? You're welcome. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, that was Van Weezer. It's available now on streaming services, physical media format. If people still do that, uh, you can listen to it for free on YouTube, um, even on their channel. Possibly, I found it on somebody else's, so they uploaded it. Um, that'll yes. probably get taken down. It is on their channel. And so there you go. Go support them instead. Don't support the pirates. I am cheap. <laughs> I pay for Spotify, so I, they're getting like a very small percent of money from my play. Right. They'll probably get more from my YouTube view. <laughs> they probably would, <laughs> knowing how that works. So for things coming in the future, as you know, this is a every three-week reoccurring podcast on Tuesday nights that we record live on twitch.tv slash dulcimernerdacumen. So the music review podcast every three weeks. Um, there's going to be in June some shaking up of that order because in June is E3 and that concludes on a Tuesday, which may bump us back a week. But our next one, I believe if I'm looking at the calendar and understanding how time works, uh, June 1st is our next one. So three weeks from now, uh, we've already come to a decision on the next album that we're reviewing and I've forgotten the name of the album already, so great promotion here, but it's by the band 21 Pilots. Do you remember the name of the album? I don't. So we'll have more information as we get closer to that. Most of you will forget over the next three weeks anyways, so I don't know. We'll have marketing material for it. But 21 Pilots is a band I believe we both like? Yeah. So, I was definitely that one, but yes. Say that again, you cut out. Oh, I was definitely late on the bandwagon for, for uh, 21 Pilots, but yes. Gotcha. Um, I've liked most of their work, so I'm intrigued by this next album. Um, I've had the privilege of actually seeing them. They opened up for Panic! at the Disco and Fall Out Boy back in 2012 when Fall Out Boy returned. And back then, they had only had their first major album. They had two albums out, but they had their first major album out that time. And they only got to perform five songs as the opening act. So, I mean, they were literally 
nobody's yet, right? They were just starting to get airplay. Um, but I had uh, had the fortunate uh, discovery of them around that time, and so I was ecstatic to be able to see them. Uh, and I was disappointed that it was only five songs, but let me tell you, those five songs, the crowd loved it. And it's quite clear that they were going to be big successes, and here they are. They've done very well for themselves, I would say. A uh, very unique genre, a uh, mix of genres of music, too, is what they bring to the table. So that's a little bit of a sneak peek of the next music review one, the next album by 21 Pilots, which is coming out actually in a couple weeks from now. So we haven't even had the chance of listening to it yet. There are singles that are available, um, but we don't know the album yet. So more to come on that. Um, every Tuesday, though, our podcast is here. Tuesday nights, the best place to be is here with us in chat, giving us your feedback. We love it. Um, Cody says, do Taylor Swift's new album? Her Is her new album called Shake It Up? Like, really? Wasn't that a single? That's Shake It Off. Oh, close enough. I hate to correct you on Taylor Swift trivia. I mean, you should, though. I actually like her music, her, her more modern music. I don't like her early stuff. We have... Gailed and Icy, 21 Pilots' new album. So there you go, and Icy. So is that our nicknames? Which one's Icy? I don't know. I'll leave that up to chat. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got two requests for Taylor Swift's new album. Maybe after 21 Pilots, we'll do a Taylor Swift review. I think that would be incredibly fascinating. Um, but who knows? Uh, Redbeard says, I'd suggest against doing T-Swift over you'll end up a song about me. All-time low request. You're a fan of all-time low. Yep. So that could be. So who knows? This is the best place to find music review content on a Tuesday night. So we're glad to have you guys. Uh, next week, Tuesday, I believe, is our Back to the Dosage podcast. We're going to be doing the year 2001 in video games. We're going to be talking about memories from that year, uh, which we talked about already. The Green Album was 2001. So what was I playing in 2001? Next week, Tuesday, you'll find that. The week after that, you're going to want to watch Street Fighter the movie because <laughs> we're going to be reviewing that in our next movie review podcast. So uh, the other Justin will be with us and Rob will be with us. I, Rob and Herman. So tune in for that show two weeks from now and uh, you'll get to hear us talk about Street Fighter the movie and what a joy that thing is. <laughs> um, but mostly I want to thank you, Staple Gun, a.k.a. Justin, for joining me here again this week. You've brought such incredible insight to this artist, and I feel like you just have so much more that you could say or would want to say, um, but it'd be difficult to fit in a 90-minute show. Any fun fact that you want to bring up one last fun fact? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, um, yeah, I've been a big, band, big fan for a while, and it's just been all over the place for them. I saw a comment earlier in chat that came up there, you know, seven out of 10 is just kind of a good way to put Weezer where you, you've got so many albums that were nine or 10 out of 10s. And then you've got a few that are three or four and, you know, worse. So yeah, it's, it's all over the place. But Question. I was surprised with this. Question. Yeah. Is his real name Rivers Cuomo? 
Yes. That's so cool. He wins. Cool name award. Anyways, thank you all, though, for joining us. Thank you, Justin, for being a part of this this week. Uh, Catch us again together talking 21 Pilots three weeks from now. And, of course, find us, follow us, subscribe to us on social media. We're on all of them. So hit up your Facebooks, your Twitters, your Instagrams. Find us, follow us. We archive everything on YouTube. And if you're listening on podcast platforms, you can find us live almost every night of the week on twitch.tv slash dose So please, please give us a shout out if you discovered us elsewhere outside of Twitch here and let us know how you found us. We appreciate the feedback. And if you have requests like the T-Swift stuff, let us know what you want to hear. We'd love feedback, but it doesn't guarantee we're actually going to do it. So until next time, everyone take care.